know, being an independent organization untethered by the sort of structure of a big bureaucracy, we were able to take ideas that, you know, maybe seemed a little bit out there and out of the box and, and were able to run with them. Welcome to the first show of season three of the ACO show. As medical practices around the country are still facing the challenges of practicing during the pandemic, we bring you two primary care practices who have done an incredible job adapting and innovating during the pandemic. Dr. Joanne Fruth, the Chief Medical Officer of Avance Care in North Carolina, and Dr. Michael Cascarina from Our Family Practice in New Jersey talk about how they've been able to structure their practices in order to continue caring for their patients throughout this public health emergency, including how they've handled staffing challenges, transitioned to telehealth, transformed their offices, and set up parking lot COVID testing sites. It's a lesson for all of us, not just in the specifics of how to take care of patients during this crisis, but also a mindset and attitude of coping with adversity that we can all learn from. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Joanne Fruth. I'm Chief Medical Officer of Avance Care. We are 16 independent practices privately owned in partnership with Advanced Care in the Triangle area, the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill uh, area of North Carolina. So um, yeah, I'm a um, board certified family physician with over 30 years of experience and I still do patient care. One of our first priorities at the beginning was to transform as much as we could to telehealth. I had heard an interview from the Consulate General of the World Health Organization who gave us the experience or explained the experience in China where they quickly converted their medical care to 50% telehealth. So we took a a week of almost 100% bringing as many of our our lead uh, administrators to work, transforming our practice to telehealth and converted their practices within 48 hours. So I think it was May 3rd when Parity was allowed by Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Carolina, we started offering telehealth to our patients. And by the end of the week, 50% of our practices were achieved through telehealth. We maxed at 70% about four or five weeks after the beginning of the pandemic. And now on average are at about 30 to 40%. Some of the practices which have higher Medicare population don't uh, have as many medic, uh, telehealth uh, visits, but our practices and communities where there's a younger population and much more COVID testing are sometimes up to 16, 70% telehealth. With uh, so much of the practice day being done by telehealth, that did cut down on patient volume, which gave us a time to uh, tend to how we were going to make our practices safe and also how we were kind of communicate that to our community because, you know, despite our efforts through telehealth, you know, visit volume did decrease. So one of the innovations that we did actually came from our our partners in the banking community who visited our office for a personal need. And then soon after that communicated to us and said, you know, you all probably need to be considering a touchless environment that we've we've incorporated in our banking uh, lobby. So we just put our operations team on that uh, and very quickly transformed to as much of a touchless environment as we could. So we had already socially distanced our waiting rooms, but we did it more aggressively by actually removing chairs, 
created touchless check-in by letting patients scan a QR code and then on the way out, any co-pays could also be done in, in as touchless as an atmosphere as possible. And of course, you know, created uh, as many barriers as we could uh, to keep our PCs safe. So we can sort of claim we have a touchless environment in our waiting rooms, which I think patients really do appreciate. So early on, we wanted to communicate to our, our community that our practices were safe. And we created um, some video online, uh, you know, YouTube videos and promotional videos on our website that wanted to communicate that primary care is essential service. So because in North Carolina, uh, early on in the pandemic, we were only allowed to leave during that lockdown for essential service, we wanted to communicate to our patients that primary care is part of the essential service. So when we were giving those online videos and, and promoting this in our community and, and claiming and, and telling people how safe our waiting rooms were, we also went, wanted to make sure that we had workflow where we kept sick people out of the office. So when we developed uh, and put our mind to offering testing for our community, that was very early on in the pandemic. In fact, to this point, we adapted testing early. We've done more than 35,000 COVID tests among our 16 practices. And the workflow was developed early that they would first do a telehealth appointment with one of our providers who would then screen them and then order the appropriate testing and then do that through a drive up type of testing. And each practice being a little bit different in a physical location, you know, sometimes that's drive up to the front, sometimes that's drive up in the back. Some of our second story um, practices had to be a little bit more creative for how they were going to time that COVID testing. Uh, most of the people do come, well, they have to come with appointment. We haven't had the big lines that you see because we, we space out the, the testing and flow people through, typically through hours to con concentrate the testing because it's a fairly work intensive for our medical assistants. They have to get on PPE and to you know, physically leave the building. So we try to do as much as that testing and time slots like you know, 11 to 12 in the morning and four to five in the evening so that we've you know, got that isolated. Then to protect our, our staff, we also adopted very early on the self-swab technique. And that was even before our organizations like LabCorp had developed self-swabbing as their preferred method of specimen collection. So we do only self-swabbing, again, to protect our our staff cut down the burn on PPE, but also know that there is evidence based that you know, self-swabbing is, is almost as effective as the gold standard, which is the nasal pharyngeal, what we uh, sort of like to call the brain biopsy early on uh, of obtaining the COVID swabbing. You know, as I mentioned, we're a uh, partnership of 16 independent practices and all of them are essentially small businesses. So our model uh, typically is that physicians usually will be employed, but then they'll see the benefits of ownership. And so they'll transition into being practice owners. And so now suddenly they're they are small business owners. So early on in the pandemic, when our you know, volume was questionable and we knew we, we absolutely, you, know, you have to pay the bills, our owners did some very creative uh, things to try to be sure that they didn't lay off anyone. So naturally there were providers that wanted to go a little bit more part-time or back down an hour. So of course that was, that's an easy, but then there were other creative solutions like, well, we'll let you 
let's let's take a 10% pay cut for missing a 12 hour. We we work 12 hour shifts. So because we have extended hours and, and weekend hours, our, our providers all work 12 hour days. So, um, you know, we'll have you miss a 12 hour day and then only take a 10% pay cut. And so people were, they were very happy with that sort of arrangement, but through the, the several months we were driven by COVID testing and all, I think all our other, other efforts for you know, outreach to our patients to encourage them to come back to the practice. Don't ignore your chronic conditions. All of that hiring has pretty much been back to baseline. And so we can say that we, we did not lay off or have to fire any of our clinical staff throughout the, since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, being an independent organization untethered by the sort of structure of a big bureaucracy, we were able to take ideas that, you know, maybe seemed a little bit out there and out of the box and, and were able to run with them. So some of the things that we did, of course, I've already mentioned how we embraced very early on the idea of doing testing which was really scary for our practices. They, you know, they did not want to have sick people into the office. They want to do everything that they could. And so we said, okay, let's, let's do parking lot testing. Let's do online telehealth prior to it. So I think people have embraced the testing and it's been very successful for us and very, and really contributed a lot to our benefit to our community now with over 35,000 tests run in the triangle area. Then again, embracing telehealth, but you know, one thing that we, we've also started, which is a little bit different, but again, it's just to sort of meet that help with access is doing some after hours telehealth clinics. You know, nobody wants to work an 18 hour day, but when you think creatively with young mothers or providers who maybe uh, have to take care of children who are doing remote learning during the day, but then maybe a spouse could hand, you could hand off the child care in the evening, there may be that provider who would like to do telehealth from home in the evenings. And that gives your patients options to, you know, access themselves at times when they don't have to maybe do childcare or be at work. So our after hours telehealth clinic has actually been quite successful. And what's really neat too, is it's given us opportunities to close care gaps with annual wellness visits. So um, as part of Allidade, we get those annual wellness visit and TCM lists that we can run through and when we see folks that we haven't been able to schedule the AWV, or we call it the virtual care clinic, which is staffed by um, some really talented APPs and kind of does that for the whole organization. But I could even see a small practice, um, you know, taking advantage of that after hours time slot and running a telehealth clinic, maybe not every day of the week, but, you know, it would be an opportunity again to close care gaps with AWVs, transitional care management. Uh, people that are behind on hypertension and diabetes, try to reach out and get those people at, at the hours that they're not expecting it. That would be one way of keeping somebody, you know, employed uh, who wants to work in the evening. Um, another opportunity that we have that would be hard to uh, maybe duplicate quickly is we've always been integrated in our practices. So we have a, a therapist, behavioral therapist, and a registered dietitian at every practice. And of course, they have been doing all of their work or almost all of their work by telehealth now. And that sort of sign has really grown, as you can imagine. So I think, you know, this is a great opportunity to add a therapist to your, to your staff if you're able, because you don't have to have real estate for them. You know, they can be having a telehealth practice. And now you have that opportunity to integrate with a therapist, uh, help with your folks with depression, as we know, 
you know, the second pandemic is going to be that of delayed chronic care management, and then also all these mental um, health, behavioral wellness issues that we're all, you know, many people are developing due to the, the stress of, of dealing with the pandemic in isolation. So as we were uh, early on developing these workflows for our practices, we, uh, my CEO, Manish Patel, and I just said, we, we really need to share this this knowledge and the information that we had gathered and put into, into practice and successfully rolled out in our own practices and share that with the medical community. So I developed uh, what's called the Avance Toolkit for independent providers regarding the COVID pandemic. It was really early on, just those basic questions like, who do we test? And it included scripts for our patient uh, coordinators to explain to patients, you know, how do we uh, decide whether you should be seen in our offices or should we see you in the telehealth and have you be seen in the parking lot? You know, we generated letters for employers to explain whether the person needed to have testing or whether they had had testing and they were okay to return or had they finished their required uh, episode of quarantine and could they return to work. So kind of these occupational health letters that we generated that folks had access to. And then we had an FAQ of 30 questions that our our staff came up with, like, uh, when do I need to stay home? And how do I know it's not allergies or whether I have COVID? If I get exposed to somebody, what do I do? We had workflows for how to conduct telehealth visits for each type of chief complaint. So that toolkit we put on our website, we put it on a lot of the websites like Facebook groups for physicians in North Carolina and also national Facebook group for people to, to access who you know don't have the resources at their fingertips for primary care. So I think that's one of the things that I'm probably most proud of that came out of the pandemic and really appreciated that we early on felt that we wanted to share this information with the with the community. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ruth, with uh, Advanced Primary Care in North Carolina. We were really thrilled to have you join us today. Thank you. Hi, I'm uh, Michael Cascarina, MD. I'm a family physician practicing in Brick, New Jersey, uh, in a medium-sized, privately-owned primary care office. We've had a lot of challenges during this COVID period over the past six to eight months. In our practice, initially, back in March, we started seeing many, many patients just on video visits because people were afraid to come in. And you know, also because we didn't want people that were sick in the office spreading coronavirus. So we got very involved with telehealth at that point, and we actually split our staff in half. Half of us would work from home Monday, Wednesday, every other Friday, uh, and the other half uh, would, uh, you know, work in the office those days, and then we'd flip flop. Uh, it worked out well um, because uh, even though one of us did get sick, which was me. <laughs> We, we didn't have to shut down the, the entire office because we, you know, just had the second staff uh, man the office for the 14 days that I had to quarantine. And that was an interesting experience for me because uh, it really gave me a uh, firsthand experience of what uh, having coronavirus actually is like for a patient. Uh, and it was miserable. I was sick for three weeks. I lost 15 pounds. I had just about every symptom that you could have with coronavirus. Uh, I nearly had to go to the hospital, but I didn't. But then I recovered completely uh, in three weeks. 
<laughs> and although um, I don't ever want that to happen to me again, it, it, it has helped me relate to patients that have had COVID much better. And I, I think the patients appreciate, you know, having a care provider that, that acutely, that, you know, that really does understand what, uh, you know, what the disease is all about. Anyway, so back to the office, we, um, for, for about two months, uh, we worked as an A team and a B team, and we didn't see each other, which was odd, not seeing your, uh, you know, staff mates for, for almost two months. And not only didn't we see each other in the office, but we had to avoid each other out of the office. Because again, if one of us got sick, we didn't want to have to quarantine any more people than we had to. Fortunately, because of this, we didn't have to lay anybody off. So when the time came that we could have everybody in the office together, we didn't have the problem of trying to get employees back to work. So we, uh, you know, we were able to hit the ground running June 1st when we decided that we didn't need to have two separate office staffs. And we, at that point, we actually gave our staff uh, a raise, a dollar an hour for everybody uh, and a bit of a COVID bonus because we, we were very lucky. You know, our, our staff members, uh, everybody came to work every day, but they could, you know, I had to be out for three weeks because I was sick. And we were fortunate because there were other physicians' offices that, that you know, had to close down completely or partially because they couldn't meet their staffing needs. It's been challenging. We've had to turn our basement into a bit of a uh, daycare center. We have a number of uh, medical assistants that have children, primary primary school age children that, that sometimes need supervision. And we've got a very large table in the basement and the, uh, the children can socially distance while they attend classes virtually uh, on their computers. You know, and, and one of us will stick our heads down there occasionally just to make sure that they don't need anything and they're doing well. But by doing that, we've been able to keep, you know, the staff at work. Uh, and, you know, we don't have to worry as much as, as far as childcare is concerned. You know, I, our staff morale has been, has been good. We were, we were lucky in that we got our uh, PPE loan pretty quickly, you know, and financially, although things were a little dicey for the first month of the COVID crisis, uh, we've come out of it, you know, fairly well. You know, our ACO partner, Allidade, was extremely helpful. We, you know, we had troubles uh, getting masks and gowns and, and gloves uh, initially in the crisis. But, uh, you know, Allidade came through for us. You know, we've had no problems with, you know, uh, PPE since then. You know, we are testing patients for COVID at this time. We have a tent outside that seems to be the uh, fashionable thing in doctor's offices and restaurants lately. Patients that we, that we think have COVID, we don't you know, have them come into the office. We do video visits, telehealth visits with them. Uh, and if it appears that they need to be tested for coronavirus or strep or flu, uh, we have them uh, drive through our parking lot. They park next to our uh, tent and we have a medical assistant go out um, in what appears to be a spacesuit. And, you know, we do nasal swabs. It seems to work well for the patients and it keeps our staff and healthy patients safe. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's been helpful. And our patients uh, have been very, very supportive and appreciative, uh, which is, it's nice for the providers and it's nice for the staff. It, uh, you know, it kind of makes you feel like a hero when people kind of thank you for your service when all you're really doing is checking their blood pressure. But it's nice to know that the, you know, the patients and people in our community appreciate what we're doing. And um, I know that makes me happy and that, that makes our staff very happy. 
Dr. Michael Cascarina from our family practice in Brick, New Jersey. Uh, We really appreciated you taking the time. The ACO Show is produced by Brittany Barnes and Hannah Posner. Theme music is by Donna Korn. You can listen to previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ACO Show.